You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at The Preppy Podcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson on Instagram. Hello, happy Tuesday, and welcome back to a new episode of the Preppy Podcast. Today, I have Maggie from Leland Gal on the podcast with me, and I'm super excited about this because I have known about her brand for years, and I have a few of her products already. I have her pillows, I have her trays, and I also have uh, her sleep mask, which are my absolute favorite, and we will get into that in this episode as to why they're my favorite, but they are superior. Just trust me on that. And I get to learn more about how she started her brand, how it's grown, um, and even some inspiration behind the art and the prints uh, that her products have on them. So it's a really exciting episode, as always, um, and I just love the colorful nature of her products. I think that's super preppy, lots of pinks, lots of greens, um, and all happy and sort of a lifestyle by the water. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and let's get into it. All right, so why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Good morning. My name is Maggie Milzarek. Um, I have a brand called Leland Gal, and I live in Leland, Michigan. Amazing. So I have been a, a fan and a follower and shopper for many years now, so I'm really excited to dive more in and learn more about you and your brand. But I always like to start from the beginning, so your childhood. So tell me a little bit about, you know, little Maggie, what were you like as a kid? Were you, you know, artistic? Were you creative? Were you entrepreneurial? Tell me about your childhood and where you lived. Yeah. So I was a summer person in this area where I currently live in Leland, Michigan. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I was a pretty precocious, confident, creative child. (laughs) Um, I was very, um, into making always. So you thought you talk about growing up as an entrepreneur. I mean, even at the age of probably six, I was making puzzle piece barrettes and banana clips and tie dyes. And I feel very fortunate to have grown up in a household where that was strongly encouraged. And um, something I'm trying to be better about myself with my own kids is making a mess. Um, because sometimes I want the house to look nice, but um, it always did in my own house um, with my parents. Uh, my mom is an artist as well. She's still, we actually have shows for her every year. Um, so she's an artist and my dad is a uh, was in commercial real estate. So both very entrepreneurial. Um, I'd say uh, a pretty um, ideal, innocent, charmed childhood life with a, with a little uh, parent divorce mixed in there. Um, but I had a, a, just a knack for always making and selling and just loved doing it. I was always the number one seller in school fundraisers and just, I really enjoyed creating things that made people happy at that point. I love that. That sounds so great. And I'm sure obviously you get a lot of your creativity and your talent then it sounds like from your mom for sure. Uh, so when did you you know, I guess you started dabbling with art and creating as a kid. Um, But do you remember like anything specific growing up that you made where you kind of maybe realized that, uh, you know, you had this talent? You know, it's, there's always a lot of comedy that sort of filters in and out of my life. And I, I, this is, this, this part of the story is something that all of my friends had a lot of fun with. But when I was in college, I actually, um, was able to make a living off of making hemp necklaces. <laughs> well, it was very much of a time in our life where we were going to concerts all the time. And, and um, I probably made like $10,000 in one summer and I was always making them. And, and, oh and so it was, uh, it was, it's funny and ironic and also, but also very true. Um, and I think that was something, but you know, I didn't really take it seriously 
for a long time after that. My, my high school was, um, we actually moved up here when I was 14. So I went from a 800 person middle school in Indianapolis to graduating with 14 people at a small boarding school here in Glen Arbor. Um, but what was unique about that is um, that all the learning was outside. There's very much a huge tie to nature that is uh, a big part of my inspiration. And I think a lot of it stemmed from spending the summers on the water up here. Um, and when I say spending the summers, we had a pretty unique summer um, situation. Uh, it, was, it was three families, very close-knit families. We all stayed in the same place together for the summer, which was a, an old hunting and fishing um, camp. Okay. So the cottage that we stayed in was about 500 square feet, super rustic, one bathroom, uh, open kitchen, living room. And we basically spent most of the time outside. Uh, so I'd say that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, so the, the, the evolution of, of growing my creativity um, was more on a marketing standpoint and a making standpoint than the, than the process of painting. Um, Got it. That came later. I didn't do a whole lot of art. Actually, there's there's a pretty ironic story here. When I was in middle school, I got a D in art. Oh my gosh. Um, and it, it surprised myself. It surprised my mom, who's an artist, and and it really fueled me later on to say, you know, that I didn't really relate well to that art teacher, um, yeah. and I became an art teacher later in my life. So I had a, an entire career before we started Leland Gal and I was an elementary art teacher for nine years in middle school and high school for uh, three. Wow. So big part of, of who I am is if somebody tells me I can't do something, sometimes I'm really going to go to the end of the earth to <laughs> show that I can. And that's a pretty good example. Yeah. I think sometimes it's personalities too. I remember in college, um, I went to a, a Catholic university and one of the nuns who taught English, like would just would always give me bad grades or like challenge me on things. And I had always been a strong writer. I, you know, I still think of myself as a strong writer. Um, and I think it was more just like a, a personality clash that we had for some reason. So you never know. I think that's it. Well, and I don't know that you know, the part of art that I still struggle with is perfectionism. So it was a lot of um, three-point perspective, a lot of straight lines, and I was just completely lost. So, I mean, I, I'll take that credit on my own, but I really did take that to heart. It was a really difficult thing to go home to an artist's mother and go, yeah, I actually just got a D in art. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So it sounds like after college, then you worked as an art teacher for many years. So tell me about that. Like what, what grade were you teaching? Um, you know, what did you learn from being an art teacher that kind of prepared you for what you do today then? Well, part of that is I'm going to go back a touch mm -hmm. to, um, I went to Michigan State University. So I, I graduated from high school in a class of 14. I wanted to go to the biggest possible school I could go to um, after that because I was ready to bust out. Um, I started in with my, with my background of, of making uh, and selling. I thought, well, I, I really should go into marketing. And so I was a business major for two years at Michigan State. And again, completely lost. I mean, I was not strong in accounting. I was not strong in econ. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I'm, I need to do something totally different. So I changed gears, switched over to art education with really, I had not had that much training. I mean, I had a creative side, but I had to work so hard. Um, you know, the, the professors in the art department were very patient with me because I had no real technical drawing skills. I had a creative side. But um, when you're going into art ed, you really need to know how to draw um, to start. So what was cool about that is I got to take, I mean, I, I literally just completely did a, a, a 180. I was in classes with 600 people. Everybody was dressed to the nines, high heels, did not find my people there. I just didn't feel like it was, um, it just wasn't enjoyable mm -hmm. and switched over to art education and really found that I had a sense of community mm -hmm. um, and absolutely just adored it and, and loved the opportunity to do art ed because what that meant was in addition to learning um, how to manage students and their levels, 
you had to take every single studio class available. So things I had never explored before, printmaking, 3D design, graphic design, um, you know, and then learning the technical art of drawing is, you know, this is where I always go to saying anybody truly can be an artist. You just have to want it mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to put in hours and hours to do it. I mean, you know, I, in my career as an art teacher, in my career as a, an entrepreneur, I can't tell you how many people tell me like, oh, I can't draw a straight line. I can't draw a stack person. And, and it's like, well, yeah, actually you can't. You just don't want to, and that's okay. You don't have to have that passion, but if you have the passion to be an artist, it's available for anyone. Yes. So I went on to art education. Um, I got, um, after college, I moved to Chicago and I got a job in the wonderful town of Evanston, Illinois. And that was an education in itself. Uh, Evanston is, um, to me, one of the most progressive towns I've spent a lot of time with in, um, the community works extremely hard to uh, make everybody feel that they can explore whatever options are available to them, no matter their race, socioeconomic status. Um, and I ended up in a school that was two-way immersion, which means everybody leaves learning English and Spanish. Oh. Uh, I had never taken Spanish. I took. I was uh, uh, very much into French in high school, <laughs> so I was. I, I learned a ton. I learned a ton about. Um, just life in general. And I got to witness really an amazing community where everybody was celebrated. Wow. It was very cool. It was very, very cool. Definitely. So, um, I mean, it sounds like you learned so much there and, uh, I'm sure it was a very rewarding job too there. Uh, now, when did you decide to start Lena Lynn Gal? Was it right after teaching? Was it during teaching? Um, tell me about what you did, uh, you know, after teaching and how we came to Leland Gal. Yes. Well, I'd say at the very beginning, there was absolutely zero intention of it turning into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, we had moved from Chicago to Grand Rapids. I'd taken a new job. Um, and while I dabbled a tiny bit into graphic design, I really didn't have all the technical skills to teach it. And that was on my curriculum to teach. Wow. So when I moved to Grand Rapids, I was teaching secondary. So I had middle school and high school kids, which was a new deal for me. Um, and so I, I had to literally week by week teach myself on YouTube how to do graphic design before I taught my students. And, um, it was, a it was a little bit of a culture shock. This, um, this career change from, from Evanson, which was, uh, you know, what I would consider a, a pretty harmonious community to moving to a different school district where all, um, all cultures were not celebrated. Okay. And also, uh, nor was the arts. Um, uh, and I was very spoiled in Evanson. The arts was, uh, a very, integral part of the, of the public education there. And so I started to uh, feel pretty stifled. I wasn't, it wasn't the best environment for me at that point. So I used learning graphic design um, as a vehicle to get through it. I was trying to figure out, you know, where do I belong here? This isn't necessarily feeling like the same tight community where I was. And so I used Photoshop and graphic design to um, cut and paste and crop my original artwork in my lunch hour at work. Uh-huh. And I became obsessed. And it was something that I did as a creative outlet and really just started to enjoy it. And it's funny because I didn't put that much weight on graphic design in college at all. And I started to really understand how much fun it was. And so I, I was just doing it really to, to understand fully the program itself in order to teach my students. And then it became just an obsession. Um, I would do it at home. I, and, then I, and then I learned that you can have, it seems funny now because it's not that unusual, but it was, this is like 13 years ago. Um, I learned that you can have your fabric or your designs printed on fabric. Mm-hmm. See, so the original pieces of Leland Gal were original paintings that were cropped, cut, pasted into patterns. Um, so yes. So it was, um, 
it was a lot of fun. And I printed out probably, I mean, it was a big investment for me at the time. I probably printed out five different prints and I decided to sew them into projects for family members for Christmas. Okay. Mind you, I've never, I, I probably had one home ec class in middle school. (laughs) I don't know how to sew at all, any way, shape or form. And I, I set to work uh, over a two week process to create three dresses for my nieces um, and a couple of purses and a couple of bow ties out of the prints that I made. And Oh my gosh, that's ambitious. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I set my goals pretty high. (laughs) So um, I did, I did do all those things. I, I was able to finish all the the projects in time for Christmas, but I learned so much about how meticulous you have to be to sell. Um, and I think those were the first and last products I ever sewed for Leland Gal because um, I am not a meticulous person in any way, shape or form. Um, so it was very eye-opening. It, I, I had so much respect for people who are creative in the world of sewing because it's an art form in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, at that point, I still had no idea this was going to be a career move for me. So I uh, gave those as presents and everybody was like, yeah, Maggie, you know, this, this is kind of more than just a little gift. This is pretty cool. This yeah. is something that you should maybe pursue. And again, I think having two parents that are entrepreneurs gave me a, a chance to say, go for it what the heck? Why not? And so I I kept going with my teaching career, but in the summer times I would have showings out of my parents' house when I was up here in the summertime. I would, and I didn't have a website or anything at this point. And somebody said to me like, Oh, well you should put your name on the list for um, a shanty down in Fishtown, which is the, that's the last working fishing village on the great lakes. And there is a lot of fishing that occurs. And there's also about eight retail spaces. Okay. Um, and I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm a teacher. I, I'm not going to have a store. And I thought, ah, what the heck? I might as well put my name on the list. Or I, I gave them a call and, and they said, well, Maggie, it's, it's at least a five-year wait. And, um, you know, and it's a highly sought after location, you know? And I said, okay, well, perfect. Cause at this point I was also pregnant with my first child. And I thought, I don't, I couldn't start this for five years anyway. Might as well just put my name on the list. Mm -hmm. And then they called two months later and said, we have an opening. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, And I do think that, that uh, there are just times in your life, especially as when you're putting yourself out there that you just have to keep going. You don't know what's going to happen. There is a lot of unknown. So um, I had to interview against 10 other people for the space. I was largely pregnant, carrying a bin full of products that I had sewn um, from somebody else. And they took a chance on me. And they said, you, you can have a space. And I thought they were never going to give it to me, not because I was pregnant, but just like looking at me thinking, how is she going to pull all this off? Yeah. And so we got the space in January of that year. I had my son in March. We opened in May and I resigned from teaching in August. Wow. Yes. That's the whirlwind right there that year. (laughs) That was a whirlwind. That was a whirlwind. So we were living in Grand Rapids at the time, stayed with my family in the summer. Uh, Everybody rallied to watch my son and help me um, open up a business. So at that point, I was lucky enough. Um, to connect with a seamstress in Grand Rapids. And we are still very close friends today. She still is my number one seamstress. We both have two kids. We've done this whole business, you know, uh, on off hours during nap times, letting the kids play in the basement. I mean, it's been, it's been a, a wild, exciting ride together with her, with Laura. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so it sounds like, when you opened that, you still launched with some clothing or what, what was, what were you selling at that point? So much different stuff than we're selling now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we've always had, um, you know, we've always been in the interior design world and we created specific products 
Um, there was a lot of burlap additions there because we like the texture. And mind you, also the shanty was tiny. There's mm-hmm. you know, no back room, no heat. I mean, it is very rustic, very, very rustic. Um, so it was at that point, everything, almost everything was custom sewn by Laura. Got it. Um, and as we grew, there were a handful of dresses that we had at that point, but we really have always um, relied more heavily on products and home decor than apparel, although we've expanded that as well. Yeah. Um, so for listeners um, who may not be familiar with your brand, what how would you describe it as it is today then? And what are some of the products today that obviously, you know, home products, but can you dive a little bit deeper and, um, you know, familiarize people who might not know of absolutely. your brand? Absolutely. Well, once the brand started to evolve um, and I knew how I, I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. uh, from a graphic design standpoint to a point. I still am not completely trained. Uh, everything <laughs> that I've done is self-taught. Um, however, I would do a lot of painting knowing that I was going to change it versus using a, you know, a landscape or something and, and turning it into something else. Mm. So originally, I would say it was very much lake-inspired, um, and I started to feel kind of stifled by having to stick within a box. So I'm, I'm very much of a, a, a nonconformist in that way. I started to feel like, I, I don't know if I can, you know, grow this business sticking with birch and sailboats and things that are, are more Leland specific. And so over the years, we, we uh, emulated a new tagline, which was make light of it. And it just expanded my brain so well to be able to understand that our business is about a feeling, not necessarily a place. Mm. And that feeling is, it does mimic what it's like to be here. Um, if, if you don't know Leland, Michigan, it's part of the Sleeping Bear Lakeshore. It's absolutely magnificent uh, in the summertime, beautiful waters and great people and more of an easygoing, laid back lifestyle. So that was certainly a part of it. So from there, we have evolved to all different directions, not just being specific to this area. And um, uh, we have now a line of athleisure. We still have our home decor. We have platters. We have um, still a very high-end line of custom products that Laura sews. Uh, And I just can't stress enough how hard our team works. There's a, there's four of us on the behind the scenes team that we work so hard on being so specific about the products that we launch um, and different types of bags. I mean, we are so detailed on it. Every ounce of our hearts goes into each and every product that we create. No question. So it's expanded from uh, home decor and, and gifts to accessories, athleisure, Um, as you know, we did a collaboration with Duffield Lane this year, which means we had pajamas, we've had dresses, um, and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of avenues that we will, um, hopefully continue to, to chase down. And I think that's the beauty of what we do. I I feel so lucky because a lot of artists, once they get their name out there, people expect the same style of work Mm. always. And I have such a luxury that I, I mean, it's, it's a luxury and it's a lot of pressure sometimes, but I have the chance to recreate myself all the time. Yeah. So, so I'm back to that. Yeah. And now you obviously have a website that people can shop all over the country and I assume a bigger store, a different store. Yes. So we, we've had some very interesting turn of events in um, COVID times. So we were at our Fishtown location for seven years. Um, In addition to COVID, um, Fishtown went through a really stressful time where there was very high water levels and our store also flooded. (laughs) So it's not funny, but if you don't laugh, you cry. Yes. So we had to um, change gears. Um, This is where, I don't know if you are familiar, but we, in that time frame. I was, it was really a time where we thought, uh, we don't know what the future of Leland Gal holds, if I'm being totally honest. Um, you know, stores flooding, 
it's COVID times. It's a very tactile business. You have to feel and touch things. So while we do have a strong online presence, very proud of it. Most of the time, it's people who are familiar and know what they're getting. Okay. Um, so we, I, I had been um, staring at the exterior of the store in this kind of detrimental moment of, you know, where does the future hold? And I did a collage cutout on the window panes in different colors that said, keep choosing joy. And that has also become part of our brand um, and something that people relate to very well. So we tried very hard in those times to focus on that. We um, had another door open for us that was amazing. We had some friends that had uh, an outdoor patio space on the main street of town, which is a little bit uh, higher ground than where we were. And they said, how about, because we were trying to figure out, we didn't know where we were going to go. Yeah. You know, it's coming into the summer season. We're thinking, okay. Um, at first, you know, this is sometimes when you're a positive thinker, it can be difficult because I thought, oh, well, you know what? We'll probably be fine if we just do online this summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in further reflection, there's no way we would have survived if we had just tried to do it online. So we were so lucky, had this patio space. We set up and tore down our store every single day for an entire summer. Wow. Um, the, the store owners that let us use the space had a, an, upstore, an upstairs storage space. So when I say that, I mean, we brought out tables, we hung curtains, we stored an entire store upstairs every single night. So oh, it was not something I would ever hope to revisit. Um, but you made it work. It really helped us land where we are today because the store owners that were retiring uh, decided to retire a year early after watching us every day and let us take over their space on Main Street. So it, if we hadn't been in that situation, we wouldn't have the store yeah. anymore. So we have a, a store that's three times the amount of space. We have a back room um, and it has heat. It can be open year round. So it's, it's next level. Yeah. <laughs> next level. Um, and then in the last year, we also were able to incorporate a new office, which is across the street and upstairs above the Harbor House, which is another main uh, mainstay here in Leland. Uh, we we've pretty much been doing everything from our dining room tables and and so now we have a real beautiful sun filled gorgeous vintage office space um, and we also have been able to add a design studio element there um, we've we've often had interiors as part of the um, as part of the plan but it was really a challenging thing to have in the store. Uh, if somebody's trying to plan a room, it's very difficult to do in the middle of a day in July in the retail space. So we now have a beautiful office where we meet as a team and we can also meet with customers to do interiors. That's so we have, amazing. Yes, we have all our, uh, we have a, a whole wall of chronological, all the fabrics that we offer by the yard. Okay. I mean, yeah. talk about turning lemons into lemonade. I feel like you know, you, you stuck with it and it ended up being a blessing. Agreed. I, I totally agreed. And I think that is, it is those moments where you have to just stay the course. It's very easy to want to have answers. What is, what's going to happen? What does this mean? And you just have to put your head down and do the work. Yep. So obviously that was a very hard time. Like what would you say is the hardest part about what you do. Um, you know, obviously that was a specific time, but is it sort of the balance? Is it, um, you know, I feel like a lot of creatives have too many ideas and it, it's narrowing it down. Like, tell me about the hardest part. Um, I thought about this a lot. I think the hardest part for sure is taking good care of yourself. Mm. Um, the to-do lists never stop. Um, and I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself to reinvent the wheel, make this the biggest, baddest, best ever than before. And um, so I think specifically in the last couple of years, because I mean, let's face it, the COVID time was intense. Setting up that store outside was intense. And so we were kind of 
burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, that's just not great for creativity. Um, so it's been a shift, a major shift of, okay, let's go ahead and rethink how we're doing this. We used to kind of do one giant launch at the, at the beginning of every summer. And frankly, it's just too much for our customers to digest in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to break things down into smaller, more digestible launches, being very intentional about what products we're putting out at what time and not just like working our butts off for nine months and being like, here it all is. Um, That was just too much. It was too much for me. It's too much pressure for me to, um, to create that um, from a, from an artistic standpoint. Um, So I think that I keep saying to my kids and now I really am saying this to myself a lot. Like I, we all have heard the treat others, how you want to be treated. (laughs) But um, now I'm saying to treat others how you want to be treated, most especially yourself. Um, because great. I think, yeah, I think we can be really hard on ourselves and, and I am no exception to that. I, um, you know, there, it's very easy to, to look around and go, oh, well, I should be to this point or I should be here. And, and um, you know, what I, 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 what I really think is the, the whole statement of don't compare somebody else's middle to your beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that holds so, so true. Um, and I think that what I've come to the conclusion of, because I think we're, we're at such an amazing level of growth. We just had our 10th year. Um, and I think it's just, I wouldn't have been ready any sooner mm-hmm. to be to that point. Yep. I, that's great advice. I, I love that. I think we all are, you know, super hard on ourselves. And so we should remember, you know, to treat ourselves like we'd want uh, someone treating our best friends, right? right? Right. So on the flip side to that question, then what's your favorite part about what you get to do? Is it actually designing things or is it more of the customer experience? What's your favorite? There's no question that creating is my passion. Um, I, I just, I always love to when it's time to go down and hit the studio and, and, and come up with something new. Um, but what I, what I think is the best part is what we have learned about humanity. Um, and it's very easy right now because there's a lot of heaviness in the world to focus on, on, uh, you know, some negatives, but, um, we, one of my favorite stories, which I'll try not to get emotional about, um, but we are a feel good store. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. That's, that's something that we work hard on, on doing, but I don't necessarily um, always know the impact of what I do, of what I do is going to be on somebody else. So we had our uh, staff end of the year staff party and we were all, you know, sharing funny stories and, and things about happening in retail. And one of my staff members told us about a woman who came in who um, was going through some pretty serious cancer treatment. And um, had been through a really hard time. And it was a simple transaction of purchasing a headband. Um, And so my staff member was telling me about what it was like to help her and how her whole body language shifted, how she stood taller, how she felt pretty, how she felt good when she walked out of the store with her new headband on. And, and, And that's everything to me. I think that the connections that we've made with customers, the relationships that we've built. And I think that the community that we've built within our retail and behind the scenes staff is just so special. It's just, it's just so special. It's like family. Yeah. What a sweet story that, you know, your, your art, your prints, your products can make someone feel good like that. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, now switching gears a little bit, I obviously work in PR and love talking about PR marketing. So what would you say has worked best uh, marketing for you? And it might sound like, you know, it's more uh, people coming into the store and that relationship or uh, word of mouth versus, you know, something more techie, but you tell me. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, we've gone down several rabbit holes of, of paying for certain things of marketing and for us, what feels the best is the personal connection. Um, this is no exception. 
putting ourselves out there, you know, being asked to be a part of a podcast is a complete honor and getting to share our story. Um, I think what is hard about Leo and Gal is it's not, and it's not a five second elevator pitch that you can just, people will just buy into immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story, it's an experience. And so when I say buy into, I don't mean monetarily. I mean, just joining in with our journey, I guess, in a way. Um, so I think that part has been amazing. And, and to me, that feels the best. Now, I have friends in PR that have done wonderful things for us as well. And I, and I want to mention that too. Um, Carolyn Sutton um, from Carolyn Sutton PR helped us get into Midwest Living. Um, Jackie Thompson of, of Council and out of Charleston. These are all folks that spend time here in the summer. Um, Jackie really introduced me to my first um, magazine photo shoot with Matchbook Magazine, which is no longer. But yeah, those, yeah, those those experiences have really helped because I think that at the end of the day, it's also when you say marketing, it's really about putting yourself out there in the best way possible. And this is something that I would like to improve upon um, is just, you know, photographing beautifully. Yeah. everything that we do because we have we have all the ingredients right here um and i think that we're working towards putting that out there um with a little bit more intention and we have you know in terms of social media we've we've been hitting it hard we've been we've been you know creating some really fun reels and i think one of the things that i've been doing with my team is really trying to get back to where it's fun and less of feeling the obligation so if you see our reels that we've been doing lately of our Leland and gal dolls and our gnomes, and it's kind of getting back to basics of like, okay, yes, it needs to be, you know, business-like and professional. And I don't mean otherwise, but if we're having fun, then it pays off. That's just all I can say. Yeah. It radiates through the content, you know, yes. um, and attracts people for sure. Yes. So what is your personal favorite piece that you sell? And then what is, you know, always a customer favorite and bestseller? This is a tough one. I know, I hope you're going to like my answer. Um, we, what we've been very fortunate about is we have the ability to be so super custom that um, we manage our inventory super well so we can offer such a variety of products for our customers. Mm-hmm. So if it's on our website, it's a bestseller. If it's, you know, we don't, we don't, if it, if it's something that, that, that didn't work, we don't continue to carry it. Okay. So what I'm trying to get at is I'm sorry to say all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Every single thing has our blood, sweat and tears and our heart into it. And if it's on the site, it's, it's worthwhile for people to explore. And I think part of that is, um, we're, we really do try and, and have people feel like when they walk into our store, they get on our website, there really is something for everybody. Yeah. Um, I will say what's my favorite from your website. So my <laughs> favorite are your sleep mask, which I have discovered them years ago and continue to use. And then turn my husband onto them. Um, and we've turned, you know, friends and family onto them too, because they are the softest. They're like, Light. I feel like any other soft ones I've had are like furry, which then tend to be really hot and heavy. And yours are soft, but light and just so cozy. Oh, well, I appreciate it. So I wonder if you ever had our original. Did you ever have one that was not satin? No, I did okay. not. So we, we did a major elevation okay. of the sleep mask. So I am also a sleep mask wearer. And I will tell you that I'm very unpleasant when I cannot find it (laughs) for bed. Um, And we, my niece Fern was the one who said, because I always wore sleep masks. She said, why don't you make sleep masks at Leon Gal? And I was like, yeah, we should. So our original was just very basic cotton with fleece back, uh, you know, regular elastic band. And um, one of the things that we, one of our, uh, fan favorite products is our baby blankets. And that is trimmed in Leland Gal, but the interior is that minky. Mm-hmm. It's so soft. And so we started to talk about the sleep mask. I'm like, let's, you know, everybody, all the adults that come in here touch these baby blankets and they're like, I want one for myself. <laughs> 
And so we, we took that idea and thought like if those two textures, the satiny um, trim and the minky are resonating with adults, let's change the gears and, and use that for the sleep mask. And I love it so much myself. Um, yeah. and, and to me, it's, it's funny when I'm working retail in the store, people will say there, people are very opinionated about sleep masks. It's either they're hundred percent into them or they're hundred percent against them. Like, you know, not their thing, but what for me, and this resonates with a lot of people, it's not about whether it stays on all night or any of that. Because I'm a creative, my mind is never stop. This never stops. It's always thinking about what I can do, things I can create. And so for me, it's a physical act of closing my eyes and saying, go to bed, like a ritual. Um, so that's part of what I am. And I love that your husband wears them because we have a lot of men that are into the sleep masks. And so I'm, I, I appreciate that. And I, I do agree that it's a fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I... For me, I started wearing them um, because I travel a lot for work and having something consistent like a sleep mask so that I sleep easily everywhere because that's consistent, you know what I mean, Um, has really been game changer. And then, like I said, my husband started using them and stealing mine. So then I had to buy him some. And I actually had bought him uh, a few new ones as a stocking stuffer for Christmas this year. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so (laughs) it doesn't matter. Um, But yes, I just love them. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you can relate with them. That's great. So I, um, I always am curious when I interview people, like who would be your dream person to collaborate with, whether it's, you know, uh, designing a collection or a piece for them, or it's just someone having, uh, your pieces in their home, um, or wearing them, like who would be your absolute dream for something like that? Well, this goes into um, some of my inspiration. I've been really into interior design inspiration lately, and that is a direction that I would like to explore more in my own home using our fabrics. And so I would love to, um, I mean, you know, I'll put pie in the sky. I would love to custom paint a print for Joanna Gaines. Oh, I love that. Uh, I'm a complete Magnolia junkie. Um, I have been very into Katie Sorrow, Natalie Papier, Patrick Mele. Um, I love following uh, Rachel Jackson, who does murals. Um, her Instagram is Banyan Bridges and Brian Patrick Flynn. Um, I think what is common amongst all those designers is the ability to mix lots of different pieces, vintage, um, color, texture, and make it feel like a complete, unique um, experience. And that is the direction that I would like to go. So I would love to do uh, collaborate with any of those people in terms of interior design. I love that. I love Joanna Gaines, too. I um, went and checked out Magnolia and, you know, the silos and the restaurant and everything a few years ago. I mean, she's the ultimate. <laughs> yes, she is. She's and. And she's done it. She's done a really good job. And she also has just stayed the course. I mean, mm-hmm. she started in a in a smaller way. And good Lord, nothing's stopping her now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So tell me, tell me what you think Preppy is. Uh, I've thought about this a lot. This is This is a very interesting concept for me. So I have a brother who's eight years older than I am. So he was like the ultimate, you know, middle school and high school in the eighties. There's no question that Leland Gal as a brand has some preppy nods to it. Um, To me, preppy is more about color combinations, vintage cars, a simpler time. um, And, you know, a John Hughes movie, uh, for example, and it's kind of feels more like vintage eighties to me. Um, I feel like it's interesting because I don't necessarily feel, I'm not necessarily a a preppy person myself, but I'm more of a combo because here's the deal, Patricia, I don't like to be in one particular box (laughs) up on that. Um, and so I would consider myself to be kind of a mix of preppy with bohemian. Um, and I'm not sure if you, have you read, uh, Lily Pulitzer's autobiography? I haven't, but I need to. Well, I think the takeaway from that for me, and because I, I know that 
that Lily Pulitzer would be kind of deemed as the ultimate preppy yeah. designer, right? Yeah. Um, but in actuality, uh, she didn't wear shoes. You know, she was, her original dresses were not form fitting. They were very loose and bohemian. And what is fascinating about her is that the reason that she, that she created the way that she did in terms of the colors was because she had a juice bar and yeah. she did not have her stains show up. Yep. So it was like a vehicle yep. for work. And so it's, it's always fascinating to me. Um, and so I can relate to her more in that way, in a bohemian sense, like uh-huh. I like form fitting clothes. Um, I'm a little bit no nonsense and um, I like a little bit more of a laid back casual lifestyle. So, um, you know, to me, I, you know, I had a, I used to have a 1985 Land Cruiser. Um, that to me is like the ultimate vintage prepster. Yeah, I like that answer. And, you know, I definitely think with your brand, with the colors, that's super preppy. Or um, I know you have sort of like a, a gingham or a check print, like yes. that I also think is super preppy. And going back to what you said, you know, you you didn't want your brand to uh, necessarily be a place that's inspired it. Um, and it's more like a feeling. And I feel the same way with preppy. It, it's kind of this feeling um, and sort of a lifestyle. So I, that's a great answer. Yeah. And, and the color combinations, it's like, you know, yes, sometimes we have a pink and green print. There's no question that can't have a nod to, to a preppy lifestyle. Yes, for sure. Now, where somewhere um, that you go for, business or entrepreneurial advice um, that you could recommend people checking out or even inspiration? Um, I do have a quote that I would love to share yeah. for, for inspiration, but um, that's a great question in terms of where to go. Um, and I think that in terms of like Instagram, in terms of at home, mm-hmm. um, I would say, you know, I have uh, five, five or six people here that I love to follow along their stories in terms of entrepreneurial journeys um, and also just self-care. Um, so uh, Morgan Hutchinson of Shop Buru is a friend. Um, she comes and does a pop-up series at our shop every summer. Um, her story is fascinating. I love following along with her uh, weekly launches and the, and the things that she's doing, I think, are very, very smart and fun. Um, and she's very, uh, stays very true to who she is. Um, another artist I love to follow is Sam Sidney. She is a felt artist based out of Charleston. Um, and she's just adding, who knew that you could do these elaborate, textural, fun portraits and still lifes out of felt? So I think she's brilliant. I think she's doing a great job um, on a national level. I love, um, Joy Cho. I take a lot of inspiration from the things that she's doing. Um, on a comedic level, I always have to have some Celeste Barber in my life. She makes me laugh and not take myself too seriously. And then um, Nedra Taweb is a therapist who I like to follow and get some really good tidbits. Um, on, a, on a face-to-face level, um, I know you went to the Southern Sea Summit in, in Charleston. I think that's a good um, connection point. And I also couldn't have enjoyed going to Alt Summit anymore, uh, particularly at the time that I went, um, which was very, uh, I was very young in my business sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really taught me a lot. And I think it's, there's still connections um, that I have made from both of those events. And I think that putting yourself out there outside of your comfort zone is is very important, but I also think making sure that you're, you know, within the right, you know, within the right folks that are, feel like your people also is, uh, is a pretty important thing. Certainly. Yes. No, I think that that's great advice. And I actually, I've heard great things about Alt Summit. I have to get there one day because um, you're not the first person that's told me about it. It was, it was very eye opening and welcoming and just like, I would, I would go again. And it's, it's the kind of thing where you can learn something fresh every single time. And I I couldn't, I couldn't have enjoyed it more. Mm -hmm. Now what's next for you guys, anything that you're working on that you can share a sneak peek? So our new collections that are coming out, and I think we're we're really going to work hard not to just do one big bang, as I said before, Mm -hmm. 
our new collection is 100% abstract. Oh. Yes. So it's called the Mod Squad. It is all about color, shape, texture, and feeling. Um, and that's kind of why I say I'm, I want to work more in interior design um, or, or with interior designers because I cannot wait to see the way somebody else would interpret these prints in a space. And the hopefully the the sense and feeling that they will evoke when it's when it's in your, your space and less of less of a recognition of an item, mm-hmm. more, of a, more of a sense. So that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think that that's been where I feel the most lucky. Uh, that's where this quote comes in okay. that we get to keep doing this. So this, this I posted last week and I just can't say enough as an artist of how true this feels Um, When buying from an artist or maker, you're buying more than an object. You're buying hundreds of hours of failures and experimentation. You're buying days, weeks, and months of frustration and moments of pure joy. You aren't just buying a thing. You're buying a piece of heart, part of a soul, a moment in someone's life. Most importantly, you're buying the artist more time to do something that they are passionate about. I love that. That is a great quote. So that the reason I, I say that is I, what I feel in terms of the, what the Leland Gal community has given me is more time and more permission to push myself to go in, in whatever direction I want to go. And, and right now it's completely abstract. Well, I cannot wait to see this abstract collection. Um, is it going to be as colorful as your other pieces? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm super excited. Yes. And if you've been following along, you know that I also am usually very resistant to purple, which I still am, but there will be some nodes of magenta in this school. <laughs> so that was a big step for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like me with red. I do not decorate with red. <laughs> same, same. Um, so my final question is, where can people find you? Let everyone listening know um, where they can shop your products, so your website, uh, your Instagram handle, and then, of course, uh, where your store is located again. So our store is located at 106 Main Street in Leland, Michigan. It's, you know, a pretty small town. There's no stop sign, no stoplight on the main drag, so you can't miss it. Um, and our Instagram handle is Leland Gal, L-E-L-A-N-D-G-A-L, and same website, LelandGal.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. This was so fun learning more about you. And like I said, I'm super excited for this abstract collection now. Oh, yes. It's, I'm, I guess I forgot to tell you. It's called the Mod Squad. The Mod Squad. Yes. It's a little bit modern and abstract. So yes, the Mod Squad is coming your way in 2023 and beyond. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.